Hi, welcome to the Biffa Podcast, the show from the British Independent Film Awards that brings together two artists from the filmmaking community for a conversation about how film has shaped their lives. In this episode, actors Bookie Bakri and Sam Adewumi explore how what they watched from the sofa and the cinema transformed them into the talents they are today. Making their debuts in the last few years, Sam won 2019's Most Promising Newcomer Biffa and was nominated for Best Actor for his work in Shola Amu's stunning drama, The Last Tree. Bucky was nominated for Best Actress and Most Promising Newcomer in 2020 for her remarkable central performance as the title character in Sarah Gavron's Rocks and has recently moved behind the camera, writing and directing as well. In this podcast, the two explore their most memorable film experiences, from Black Panther to cult classic The Room, as well as the emotional similarities between Moonlight and Scooby-Doo, and just why the dirtiness of British film makes it great. Yo, can you tell me? What's going on? What's going on? Not much, mind you. How you doing? I'm living. I'm chill, mm. healthy, thankful. How are you? You look cozy, fam. You look cozy. Cozy, Skin's yeah. Good. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> you look warm as well. I like the board. Thank you. But that's not why we're here, oh, Bookie Backcrim. Yes. We're here to talk about film and our love for it and all that good stuff. I wanted to start it. When I knew I'd, I'd be coming on with you firstly, I was like, I was really happy to do it. I was really excited. Obviously, we know each other, but there are certain things that maybe I haven't asked you yet that I thought would be better to ask you in a public setting. No, I'm guessing. Obviously, but like, it's <laughs> nice. It's, it's just nice to be able to chop it up with you. And, you know, I, I think really highly of you. So, yeah, we may as well just jump into it, innit? All right, so my question for you, yeah, just, to, just to start this whole thing off, is I think you're a really talented actor as well as just a lovely person. I'm quite curious as to what inspired you to go into this, to get into acting or into film? What sparked that interest in film and and cinema for you? First of all, thank you. I appreciate that deeply, especially from you. I think I'd always had a love for film. Me and my brothers would watch old American film. And I think because I have a deep appreciation for music, any ways where film and music crossed each other. So when you think about like Hype Williams and Belly, before the age of music videos when people were more playful with film and music and stuff like that so that had always been a massive interest but in terms of loving film I think the first film I did it came to me and reminded me of the love that I had for film right the first film you did are you talking about are you talking about rocks for my rocks yeah yeah so I think my love for film I never let it flourish because I didn't want to dwell on something that seemed so silly to dwell on. I didn't think the love could ever surpass the point where it could be an active and tangible love. So when that came along, I just it kind of opened a new world for me to be able to explore film in a way that didn't feel like I, it, it was, not like a waste of time, but it felt more intentional to look at people like Wes Anderson and Christopher Nolan and, and not just look at it at face value as a film, but think about how it was made, et cetera, et cetera. I would say my biggest influence is music. I would listen to film school before I would listen to the actual film. That's why I ride out for Bill Street, because I, I listened to the score for like an hour. I had a gape on repeat. Oh, and I love a gape. Yeah. A gape, trust me. Mm-hmm. And I was just looking at I was just looking at the ceiling, just very emotionally moved. And that's how my bias towards that film. The film could be a really crap film, but if the score is incredible, then that's the nail for me. Mm. 
What was your biggest influence? Biggest influence? I didn't really watch a lot of conventional films growing up. Well, I, I say I did, obviously, once I started getting into cinema. Didn't watch, you didn't watch the classics? Not when I was young. Not when they came out. Do you know what I mean? Unless you're talking about things like Toy Story, which I did watch because that just felt very available. I think I had, a, I think I actually got that on VCR. I never saw that in cinema. I grew up in Hollywood. My grandma raised me alongside my mum. And so when mum was at work, my grandma also didn't speak English. So like when mum was at work, it was just like, cool, I'm home with grandma. <laughs> and her, her MO is to sit down and watch some, watch some Hollywood, watch some Babasui and them man there. So like, that's kind of what I grew up watching. And I'd say maybe like the performance side of my character was very much rooted and based in my enjoyment of those films. And so for me, acting and stuff was kind of like clowning in a sense. And that's not to like diminish the work that they do in Hollywood, but it was a, a specific actor, Babasu. I don't know if you know him, but he's this actor that would just, <laughs> he would paint his face darker than he was even though he was already like quite dark, but he painted it a bit darker and he was just like a comedian. He was just super funny on screen. And so that's kind of what I looked at and thought, oh, that must be acting. And so my younger days was just all about making people laugh and, and stuff like that. But then as I started to get into it more, can't really remember the first great film that I enjoyed. It's probably one of those films that we watched when we were mad young, maybe like a, a London basketball or, or something like that that was just like on on the TV and then you just glue to it and you're watching it. I have vague memories of Christopher Nolan's Memento, but I don't know. I can't actually remember what year that came out, but I just remember watching this film and just being like, I, wow, think, it was, like, I think it was 2001. That maybe would have been around the time where I could have actually had an appreciation of film. I would have been, not, not a mad appreciation because I would have been like seven, but maybe I could have been able to take in the story a bit more. But on that, what's the first film that you remember actually seeing at the cinema? I think, obviously at school and that we used to watch that pantomimes. Yeah. That's, that was probably my first experience watching something that felt massive, whether it was a mm. screen or if it was live action. This sounds like a corny answer, but I really remember watching Black Panther with my brothers. I think that's the first. Me and my brothers, we don't do stuff outside together. Mm. I think I think we're mad close, but it's like we're not the kind of people to to go to South End and, and chill or whatever or go <laughs> or go out for dinner, do you know what I mean? Mm-hmm, but my, mm-hmm. my older my older brother was like, nah, this film, this is a film that we all need to go see. So we all went with you in Stratford. Were you were you wearing like traditional traditional clothing? <laughs> I saw that was a bad <laughs> Bro, when I went there we saw bear Agbadas, we saw shakers, mm-hmm. I saw beads. I thought I'm like, yeah, yeah this is went out for that story. Yeah. Like wedding, like. <laughs> <laughs> but we we just wore our normal stuff. What I was wearing that day, we just got up and and went and, yeah, I just remember feeling inspired. It makes you feel powerful, and that's when I really realized that there's a feeling with with film that's not fantastical. It's that there's a real feeling that you get when you feel inspired by film, and only certain people get that feeling because um it's important what they're seeing. They need to recognize it. So. Once you do have that feeling, it's some next level of like serotonin or, or dopamine to, to me anyway. Yeah, that was my first cinema experience. What about you? Yeah, I wish mine was as profound, to be honest. That's a nice cinema experience to like remember. Mm, you know what I mean? Because mm. Black Panther was, that was a, a real moment. For me, it was something a lot more like childish. It was Scooby-Doo, actually, because I was a massive Scooby-Doo fan. I loved Mystery Inc. and that and... I don't know anyone that was my age at the time that didn't love watching the cartoon. 
And then when I saw that they were doing like a live action version, it was just like, what? I have to see this. And I think that's probably the first film I remember begging my mum to go and see. Mm. Um, and that's probably why we ended up watching it at the cinema, because I must have been pestering her like crazy. And there were a few of us that went, so it was me, my mum. My younger brother would have been mad young when we watched it, but he was there. And then a couple of my friends from primary school. I loved it, man. I, it's, it's really interesting. It's kind of similar to what you said in terms of that rush of good feeling and that rush of dopamine. It's like, this was a cartoon. Now I just used to watch it on my TV and now I'm seeing people bring it to life. And it, it shifted something in me. Now I'm looking back. But at the time, you're not really thinking about it. You're just like, wow, this is so amazing and this is so cool. And similar to you, the score as well. There are songs from that yeah. film that I still listen. Do you remember when you watched it? We watched it in Birmingham, yeah. We watched it in Birmingham. Yeah, yeah, Birmingham, yeah, yeah, yeah. When we watched it, I was just like, singing along I was like oh my god yeah I remember seeing this film yeah that was like my first cinema experience that like moved me do you know what I mean mm-hmm. that like it felt like it was larger than life and just to see a real life version of Shaggy and mm-hmm. to see like a real a real Daphne and a real Velma and all those guys I just felt like the actors did a great job of bringing mm-hmm. the characters that I thought I knew into the real world I guess looking back at it that was like mad inspiring because maybe that's mm-hmm. that might have been the the time where I first thought, yeah, like, maybe I could do this without ever really thinking I could do it. Do you know what I mean? Like, we're both Nigerian, so we know yeah. <laughs> we know what it means when you're telling your parents you want to go into something a bit more more artsy mm. than academic. But here we are now, mm. doing a podcast with Biffa, you know, we made it big time, fam. <laughs> <laughs> Breaking all the rules, bro. You know, you know like that. I like that that's your... That, that's a film for you. I feel like, because I didn't grow up watching all the classics, mm. I feel like everyone feels so forced to say a film that's considered a masterpiece. Yeah. One of my closest brethren, like, you know, a precious, her favourite mm. film is, is the B-movie. And when we were doing mm. the, when we were doing the short film, the start of the B-movie was our influence for the the writing. Mm. And she was like, oh, she used that as a reference. It was like, who said that those films can't be considered incredible? Just because mm. they don't have the story, you know. But it's like, what mm-hmm. is the story? The part in Scooby Doo when Shaggy and Scooby stop speaking, like to me, that's, mm. that's it's heartbreaking. That's it's heartbreaking. Like, <laughs> yeah, it's heartbreaking. <laughs> but it's just as heartbreaking as not just as heartbreak is heartbreaking. It as like when the ending of Moonlight and Sharon is, you know, those the two things that are heartbreaking. And they can both stand on the same ground, to me anyway. No, I, I completely agree. I think that's the beauty of, of cinema. I was talking to someone just yesterday. I think we were, we were chatting about favourite films. And I think the beauty, for me anyway, in cinema is like, when you ask someone, what's your favourite film? Mm. There are so many films that we love for very different reasons. So actually, mm. I'm not really, I don't feel like we're actually asking, give me specifically, what's your favourite mm. film? It's mm. more about like, why that's that person's favourite film. And getting an insight into what moves that person or what inspires mm. that person. So like you said, you can, maybe it's a score for someone like yourself, maybe just remembering that score and just being like, oh, wow, that thing really mm. spoke to me and allowed me to get into the world of these characters. Mm. Or it's the cinematography, or it's just a moment from this film that mm. sparked something in someone. I think that's what we're really asking, in my opinion, we ask someone, yeah, what's your favourite film? I don't know. Mm. Even if the film's dead, if your reason for why you loved it is something that I can connect with or, or empathise mm. with or understand in, to some essence, then regardless of whatever the film is, I think it's easy to have respect for that person. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, yeah, yeah. 
Yeah. I don't know if you've seen the film The Room. The Room? No, I haven't. Let me write it down. That's like one of the worst films ever made, but people love it because of how bad it is. Mm. But even in watching something like that, and the guy that wrote it, directed it, is starring in it as well. But something like that, it's like you can take inspiration from something like that. Even though the film's not technically the best film ever made, the dude funded it himself, made it himself, wrote it himself, was, was passionate enough about the story to be like, I'm going to get this made. Mm. And through that sort of love that he has for cinema, even if he couldn't actualise it in the technically best way, mm. his film is now lauded and loved and gets played again and again and again because he was passionate about it. I don't know. I, I feel like I can sometimes be a bit snobbish when it comes to the sort of mm. films that I like, but I do mm. feel like there's always something to take from the creation of someone's art. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. There's always something that can speak to you. Yeah. So when you say that thing about the B movie, I'm like, okay. yeah, that makes sense. We're influenced by everything in our lives. And so, yeah, why not? Even though people don't consider it that a good film, I really respect the mindset of somebody having an idea and sticking for it. Them knowing this is what I want to do and they carry on doing that. And then that is the, that's the end and outcome. For example, this is just a small example, but when someone writes something and you have a name for a film, and the name that you started with is the name of the film at the end. Mm. To me, that kind of symbolises how you had an idea and you didn't let anyone interfere with the, with the grounding of the idea, with the, with the foundation. People can add their embellishment here and there. That's the whole point of development. But I really see the beauty in that. And I would, I would love to work in that way without much interference. Development, but not heavy interference to the point where what you began with is completely different to the end. So going on that, yeah, obviously we're finding our ways in the industry and your first film was incredible. I know that you've seen the film that I, the first film that I did in The Last Tree, which I also really think is incredible. Biases, biases aside. You have to tell it for what it is. If it's amazing, yeah, then it's amazing. I, 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 I think Charlotte Agro is like, is yeah he's he's a genius man obviously having been on that side of things and been involved and like you were saying at the beginning actualizing a love do you know what i mean being able to bring your love for cinema into physical through actually like being in a film and doing it i'll talk about your latest project that's out in the dazed and gucci film born fruit that you that you wrote and directed and created alongside your your good friend precious is it precious graham precious graham yeah precious graham shout out her you were talking about having a vision and the vision being altered. As actors, we can have our sort of vision of a character within a story, but at the end of the day, we don't determine what the final product is going to end up becoming. Having been on the other side of it, had a concept. I don't really know what the process of that was. Maybe you want to go into that a little bit as well. But having had a concept and maybe had your own vision of the story that you wanted to tell through your film, how much of it was influenced, obviously, by it being for clients in Dazed and Gucci and how much sort of creative control or how different was the final product to what maybe you had conceived in your mind at first? Mm, I think that whole process made me have a next level of respect for producers and it made me see the logistical side of creation and how as much as you want it to be a fruitful process which is like creative and really about the story there's just mm. so many other factors that come into play such as what, what what other factors sort of come to mind first you don't have to go into it too much the way i see something and the way the people around me see it is very very different 
and me realizing that how you can't control how something's gonna make somebody feel mm. made me rethink the question of when making the short it wasn't a thing where I wanted you to feel like this the question was how do I feel about this and it wasn't mm. successful in how I felt I think trying to control people's feelings and their responses to art is impossible Although I wanted to make something that w- that was moving, I, you can't force a feeling onto people because you can't control the factors of where they watched it, the, the mind frame they were in when they watched it, what they ate that day, how many mm. liters of water they drank that day. You can't control <laughs> any of those. You can't control any mm. of those things. Did they pause it while they were watching it or did they exactly. watch it in one sitting? Yeah, yeah. Exactly, exactly. And how emotionally available are they? Coming mm. from somebody who's not very emotionally available, this is you can't just force something onto people and people from different socioeconomic backgrounds had different responses to it and something that meant so much to me and my personal creative team you can be as passionate as you want about something you can love something as much as you want. i think even even to the art form of acting itself not just for any specific project but you can be passionate about it, you can love it you can really really want to do this or that to your audience or, or to affect people in a certain way. But at the end of the day, all you can do is is like your part of the job, which is to tell the story that in the way that you, you see it or mm. through the vision of the director or through the visions of your like fellow collaborators, whilst also trying to maintain your own artistic perspective. You could be doing something that you think is amazing mm. and people watch it and are like, oh, that's not actually the thing that, that's not the thing that I liked. I really liked that bit where you just picked up this cup because that was, and you're like, what? You didn't even see my face when I picked, but like, there's just mm-hmm. something, like you said, we don't control the way people are going to receive uh, the art or receive the work. And I guess in knowing that there's, I, I don't know, I find some kind of freedom in that because then it's like, you know what? You're not going to actually please everybody. And it's not really your job to please everybody. You've got to mm-hmm. speak to the part of you that was spoken to when you first picked it up. Do you know what I mean? You've got to, you've got to honour the part of yourself that is moved by the art. And then hopefully there'll be at least one other person out there that mm. feels you or feels the same way. Or even in fact, you've done something and it, maybe it moves you in a certain way, but when someone else receives it, it moves them in a completely different way. And I think that's the beauty of what we do. There's just always different perspectives. You can kind of always mm-hmm. like pick up or learn from from different ones. You know what I mean? You said that you never really pressured yourself to thinking about that. I think as an actor, I've always thought about it as the process is all we have. Like whatever mm-hmm. happens afterwards has nothing to do with us. But I think from having those other roles, that's when I really started to care about the side of receiving, mm-hmm. like how something's being received. You know that film, mid-90s? I haven't seen it. The Jonah Hill film, innit? Yeah, I bring it I bring it up because when people watch that film, they say this guy made that film for himself. The music in this film is Defo, he's pulled out songs from his playlist, he's hit mm. up artists that he likes. The aesthetic of the film, sh- shooting and film, logistically difficult, but he did everything the way he wanted to do it. We had some film club and we, we chose that for one of the films. And one person was like, Oh, he's so selfish. He just he, <laughs> everything everything he did was just for himself. But he did that for himself. People received the film well. People liked it. I actually really liked the film. You hear that, Jonah? If you're listening. Yeah. <laughs> work, man. I like it. <laughs> I love no, I liked it because of the music. The music was like mm. he had MF Doom, he had all of that, he had Method Man. I was a bit jealous mm. as well. His 
the score alone of that film was like the budget of 20 independent films. (laughs) (laughs) But that was an independent film, which is also crazy to think about, isn't it? Because I don't think that was a studio film. No, it wasn't. Yeah, it was independent. Yeah, independent. Yeah. I mean, all right, cool. So we are actually here to talk about independent film. We've just been chatting away on that topic, I guess. It's a a nice way to to diverge. Independent film. All right. What's your favourite thing specifically about British independent film? Because uh, I'm not sure if I was as aware of the specificities of different sorts of films, at least when it comes to indies in comparison to bigger budget studio type style, until I, I got involved in the creation of it and the work of it. I don't know if it's the same with you, but yeah, what's your what's your sort of favourite thing about British independent films specifically? Plug in Biffle as much as I can. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I like how dirty it is. I like how... The lack of like refinement for shakiness. When I say lack of refinement, I I mean <laughs> I honestly. That's what I'm laughing. That's what I'm laughing. Yeah. I feel like I know what you mean, but like. Do you know what I'm saying? Like, what? People might. Yeah, people are gonna be like, what? <laughs> <laughs> Sweet. <laughs> when I say maybe I let me let me explain before I bite someone. When I say lack of refinement, I mean the lack of the need to reach perfection. Mm. For characters to look incredibly clean, the lack of getting rid of mistakes. The lack of continuity in some angles, if that makes sense. The lack of time to make sure something's perfect. The messiness Mm. really implicates real life to me. The mistakes that happen in independent film that turn into masterpieces, specifically about British independent film, because I don't think they're afraid to be messy and dirty and to cut corners, but cut corners in really intelligent ways. I don't know, the spontaneity in British independent film, I feel like, Every single British independent film, I feel like there's at least one scene that wasn't supposed to happen, happened and ended up being the scene that we all remember. Mm, I love that little soundbite. I heard someone does something with it. You should tell me about that. But like the mistakes that turn into masterpieces, I'm just like, yeah, that's deep. What about you? I was nodding along as you were speaking because like, for me, it's, it's really, really similar. I love that word that you use, that, the dirtiness. It just feels raw. And, and in that rawness, life can feel... Well, life, it's not even like life can feel. The sort of rawness I'm talking about is the rawness that is life. Do you know what I mean? Mm. That sort of unexpectedness to life. I think British independent film does well to break the rules, especially what I would maybe categorise as the good ones or the best ones or my favourite ones. The ones that break the rules, the ones that know, okay, these are the rules of how to tell a story. These are the rules of how to cut from one shot to another. These are the rules of cinema. But the ones that are like, no, we're going to break convention and we're going to tell the story like this. Because for this film, you need to experience it in this way. And for this film, that rule has to be broken. And we have to make Mm. our own rules. I just think that's really, really brick kind of opposite of what we'd expect Britishness to be, but, like, yes, I, yeah, think, that's, yeah, I yeah. think that's what Britishness really is, you know what I mean? Like, being able to, like, break that... Maybe I'm speaking more specifically for being a Londoner, but that's what it feels like, just where, cool, there are rules, and, and you think we're going to abide by these rules, but it's like, no, nah, we're going to break them, and we're going to do it like this instead, and we're going to shift your expectations. I like when... That's what I like about British independent film. It always subverts your expectations, uh, or when it does subvert your expectations, that's when I feel like moved. It's like, oh yeah, I could, I could go to the cinema to watch the next huge blockbuster, or maybe I'll go and find something a little bit more obscure that maybe not everyone's talking about as much or watching as much. But I know the way I'm going to experience this film is going to be different to what I'm used to. So yeah, that's that's it for me. I was actually watching something that I know is like a cult classic, but it's it, it taken me a, a while to get to it and. 
maybe shout out Netflix for this because they do well to get a varying range of films. Do you know who Lynn Ramsey is? Yeah. So like, I'd heard her name and I'd known of her, but I hadn't seen any of her stuff and I didn't really know why everyone loved her in it because I hadn't seen mm-hmm. her, seen her stuff. And then I watched We Need to Talk About Kevin during the Christmas period. And I was just like, whoa. I haven't watched that. You haven't watched it? Oh, there's so yeah, many... I feel like there's so many things that I've watched since that film came out that I'm like, this was probably, now having seen it now, I'm like, that was probably inspired mm. from this. Some of the transitions, the way the story was told in parts. Now, I remember myself getting mad frustrated and kind of uncomfortable with the film. I was just like, what's going on? Just tell me Warg 1. Like, I know there's something wrong here. I beg you, just like, reveal it to me. What happened? But similar to what you were saying, like, she just broke the rules and she was just like... I'm going to tell this story in this way. And this is how you're going to experience it. And the fact that it made me feel something is, I think, just what I love about indie film. It makes you feel things, but like on a proper, like, visceral level. It doesn't feel like you're apart from it. Do you know what I mean? It's like, no, I see you. You're the audience. Come in. Come into this world. Like, be here for what it is. Whereas I think bigger budget films, it's like, here is this spectacle. Observe it for what it is. I like when film brings me into it. So I'm just thinking about what you just said about the experience with watching independent film and watching other films. What you said about the intimacy, it's to the T. I'm going to watch that film. Before I really got into film, I didn't know what independent film was. And I, when mm. somebody first said the term independent film, I thought this was like a group of films about people who were vegan, wore Shambhala bracelets and beads. And, <laughs> and It's not too far removed. Do you know, <laughs> I don't know why I just thought indie was like, was that. It literally stood for independent, independently made. Do you know what? I've been watching a lot of MasterChef, the American <laughs> one, the US, the US one with Gordon Ramsay. And I remember the last convo we had, we, you spoke about Boiling Point. And mm. I, watched a, I watched a trailer for Boiling Point and watching MasterChef made me, and Hell's Kitchen made me think of Boiling Point and the intensity that I see in that, in that show. Mm. And seeing the trailer done it's it re- it's really made me want to watch that film because that's the side of the rest like we go into a restaurant and we eat and we have an experience but it's intense sometimes i'll be in a restaurant and the food's taking 20 minutes i'm like wow mm. my food's taking time i'm in bookie you want to <laughs> eat raw food <laughs> I'm like, I'm but i'm at home and it's taking me an hour to cook and i'm expecting food to come in five minutes it yeah, must yeah, be yeah, so yeah. intense and I think that just from the trailer alone, I feel like that film's captured the intensity. I'm excited to watch mm-hmm. that. I'm excited for you to watch that, actually, so we can talk about it, because yeah, yeah, I, I watched yeah. it twice. Twice? To be honest, it's because I have this really bad habit of turning up to the cinema too late, bro. Mm-hmm. So the first one I went to watch, and I thought, yeah, I've got 15 minutes. I was actually there on time, I was outside the cinema, and I was like, oh, let me just go and pick up something really light for me to to have in case I get mad hungry in the cinema or whatever just that's another bad habit that like, <laughs> I'm one of them guys I might <laughs> I might be at the back eating smelly food mm. <laughs> I yeah. treat it like I'm at yard man. <laughs> I got there and I was like oh yeah let me go grab something quick I've got 15 minutes of adverts I'm early anyway how can man come back and like we're, we're already 10 minutes into the film I'm like oh. you know mm. what I mean so I had, to, I had to go back to see it again worth a watch though worth a watch for sure especially with indie film. They've put a lot of love and passion into it and it's supposed to be experienced in a cinema in its entirety, try and give it the respect that it deserves, to be honest. It's the same with Rocks. When it came out or when it was 
being advertised to come out. I knew it was going to be on Netflix as well. But I was like, nah, I want to make sure I see this thing on a big screen because mm-hmm. it's very different. I think once you're involved in it, you start to understand what it means to see something on a big screen. We know there's not a lot of money in indie film. We can, you know, just by looking at our paychecks for <laughs> the two <laughs> indie films that we've done so far, you know what I mean? <laughs> but it's like, hey, no shade, man. No shade. I'm, I, I would have I done that to Oh, do, do it for nothing. You did it for nothing, yeah. Yeah, you know, them was there. So like, it's nothing to do with that. When you know how much people are sacrificing when it comes to payment, when it comes to time with their loved ones or just even time to themselves, just think, yeah, as much as we can, try and see indie films in the cinema because that's, mm. that's how they make their money back and that's how hopefully we get more independent films being shown. I think the experience of filming an independent film, like when I watched The Last Tree, what I really loved about the film was the really still moments. And like, yeah, my fingers had to to Shola for for including those moments in a story like that. Mm. And I told you how close that story is to me as well. So that's the thing about independent film, and in the last year particularly, it allows you to breathe. Watching the film is more of a multi layered experience as opposed to sitting down and watching. There's a difference between sitting down and watching and sitting down and experiencing. And I think. That's how it was for me with The Last Tree. I'm not a person who needs dialogue. I think that I could have watched that whole film and did a silent test. I felt the same thing because of the movement, almost like a Swan Lake kind of thing. Very, very calculated movements, like dancing. It's the same feeling I get when I listen to music that is really calculated, even though one's silent and one's physical and one I can hear. So I think it's all about direction and movement I think independent film just allows you to do that. I remember the last year when you came out of the the little I don't know what they're called in Nigeria, the little bus kind of car. Yeah, things. The, the bus version of Okada. Yeah. Nigeria, man. I love it still, but <laughs> yeah, when your character steps out of it and you're looking around and it's like Bruv, big films don't even shoot in Nigeria because they can't do it. Mm. They all go to South Africa because it's much easier. So the fact that The Last Tree made that work, it's so different pretending to be in a context and being in that context. And that's what captured the essence of that film. That was a big moment for me. And that was a moment that I couldn't believe. Before I watched The Last Tree, that's when I wasn't really into watching trailers. So I was like, let me just watch a film. When I saw you in Nigeria, I was thinking, what? Mm. Like this kind of film, and you lot filmed in Nigeria. And you lot didn't get robbed or nothing happened to them. <laughs> you lot made it home safely. I know Nigeria's a beautiful... Don't get me wrong, Nigeria's a beautiful place. Beautiful. Beautiful but that's place, for sure. Trying to film anywhere. Same thing could happen in New Zealand, you know? So it's mm, like... Mm, mm. I just thought... it was. I thought that was just incredible. Incredible. I've got stories for you, fam. I've got stories for you. So I'm... Yeah, I got stories for you about about that experience. Most of it, actually, all of it was very positive. But I, I mm. yeah, I'll, we'll chat about it another time because it might incriminate me. <laughs> but I feel like <laughs> I feel like we are nearing the end of our allotted time to speak on this specific podcast. We'll we'll chat. I'll, I'll give you a buzzer sign. I think whatever people heard in this, hopefully, hopefully they found some value in our conversation. I know I definitely did. Hearing how you feel about film and your opinions on certain topics as well is really dope. I already knew that this would be a good conversation based off of obviously knowing you and all the other comments you had. It was nice to chop it up with you in this context as well. 
send you love as always. Likewise. Um, I don't really know how to wrap this up, bro. But uh... trust me, but I've taken, I've taken, I've honestly taken a lot from this. I really respect how honest you are about your inspirations, and I think that's something myself and everyone can learn from. So yeah, I feel like this has been a. I want to know them stories though about Nige. Nah, I will for sure, <laughs> for sure. For sure. Appreciate you, my G. Yeah, likewise, man. Always learning from you. You're so young, but so far. Oh, you're just there. You know what I mean? I love that. I love that. I love that. I love that. Appreciate you. Peace. Blessings. Likewise. And whenever they're ready, they'll lock this off. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> Thanks for listening to this episode of the Biffa Podcast. If you're new here, make sure you subscribe so you don't miss the next episode. And make sure you scroll back in our feed to check out our back catalogue too. We've just had Alex Kurianu and Romla Garay talking about modern horror and obsessively watching Arnie films in 90s Romania, which was a lot of fun. And there's loads of other great conversations in the archive as well. Thanks for listening. The Biffa Podcast is a Little Dot Studios production for Biffa. It's hosted by me, Jay Cunningham, and I'm one of the producers as well, along with Harold McShiel and Ellie Aitken. The show's edited by Content is Queen.